Welcome, everybody. We're happy to be back. We got another fun episode today with Becky Pickle. That's her real name. That's her real name. And she just happens to be in the restaurant business. She's the most powerful woman that you don't know. That's so true. And the like, more she spoke, the more we realized like she is a she, big deal. She's a baller. Yeah. Like she's the real thing. Yeah. So Becky owns a couple of franchises of Chick-fil-A that Which, you know, doesn't sound like a big deal. Yeah. But out of 2500 franchisees in the country, there's only 90 to 100 people that own two. And a handful of them are women. It, you know, like she was leaving the interview to go to Capitol Hill to go and argue for legislation. <laughs> That's nuts. Foster kids. Foster kids. I what mean, a story. She is, she's incredible. And it's fun when you hear her talk because she's like, I just felt like I needed to do something. And like she does, she just like jumps all in. Right. And she's amazing. Well, like I just, the word humble flex just kept coming into my mind because yeah. she doesn't know her status does not reflect in her for sure, you know, personality, right? Oh, like totally. She's just this super accessible, like way smart, just awesome lady. So it's it's a good one. Yeah. So this ep- it was fun to hear all about it. We get to hear the the nitty gritty of Chick Fil A. Oh yeah, we did get some inside stuff. We did get some inside stuff for Chick Fil A. So Abby, pay attention. You owe, uh, Abby Ayers, you owe Andrew. You you owe Andrew one. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so we hope you enjoy it. We have to say thank you so much. The last couple of weeks have been like unbelievable we Where did that come from? i mean you guys have been showing us so much love and listening and sharing and we've had so many reviews that have come through like it has been awesome and so thank you so much and honestly like we talked about it before if you like it we'd love to hear from you it just it makes it more fun for us to know that people actually care about it especially since we don't make any money doing it yeah so love is more important than money <laughs> yeah so check it out, rate, review, whatever, subscribe if you like it, and hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Nitty Gritty. We're back, and we have Becky Pickle with us. Hey. What a and cool name. You guys I mean, are going to love it. call it cool. Maybe not cool middle words. school. <laughs> yeah, not cool but. for my children. Yeah. So. <laughs> not cool when you're having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> not cool when you own a restaurant. <laughs> like, is that your restaurant name? No, I'm not Madonna. We don't do that. <laughs> but maybe if you're like a firefighter, like my husband, it's pretty cool. Um, so true. Yeah. So we have so much fun stuff to talk to you about. It's almost hard to know where to start, but we're going to start with Chick-fil-A. Cool. Because I feel like that, would you consider that like your main job? My only job. Your only job? My only wonderful job. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your history with Chick-fil-A because my wife was like, please learn all of their secrets because <laughs> they are the most efficient drive through in the world. And Yay, so I love she was like, that. whenever I'm in line anywhere else, I, she can't stop thinking, if this was Chick-fil-A, I'd already be through. I'm curious. You know, she and I are like, because I also think that regularly. I am curious. Which location's yours? So I um, have one in South Jordan in the okay. district and then one in Riverton, Mountain okay. View Village. Because I was going to say there's one that's been letting me down lately as far as efficiency goes. Whisper to that. Whisper that to yeah. me after we're done. Yeah. I will get them snapped oh. back in line. So. It's not any of yours, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so how did you first find Chick-fil-A? And I'd love to hear kind of how you get started with it. Yeah. So um, 
I was 15, actually. I was a, a sophomore in high school and a super hot guy that I went to school with worked there. Your husband? Uh, no. <laughs> See, this is off to a good start. I told you this one's going to be off. And uh, my girlfriends and I all applied there. And uh, the rest is history. So, yeah, um, started at Valley Fair Mall in West Valley City. Uh, that Chick-fil-A has been closed for many, many years now. Um, but worked there for one year. And then um, when my manager of the time uh, took on his first franchise in Fashion Place Mall, I moved with him and uh really did not have an aspiration to have a career in fast food. I mean, I, I don't think that many people do. I don't think many people are like, yeah, I want to make waffle fries the rest of my life. But it's Chick-fil-A um, really fast food. Yeah. I, I mean, mean questionable. I don't think yeah. anybody views Chick-fil-A like a McDonald's. Right, right, right. right. No way. I mean, it's a no whole other level. It's the I, best food. I, I, we I don't think call it fast, fast food, food. We call it the best food. It is. The, it, it's, it's amazing. And fast food is a total, I, I think, an insult to say Chick-fil-A is fast food. We got to come up with a better name. We're working on that stigma. That's that's part of me um, and my plan to be a premier employer. Right. We, we talk a lot about um, the fast food stigma. And I think a lot of people miss some pretty rad opportunities because they're like, well, I don't want my first job or any job to be in fast food. And right. man, bummer for them because I'm feeling pretty good about where I am yeah. in life right <laughs> for now. For real. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I, I, I um, went there for the hot guy, ended up staying for the mentorship and the lessons that the owner that I worked for gave me, and he really helped me through high school and college. And um, so you worked at that same location all through high school and college. I worked at Fashion Place until I graduated from high school. Okay. Then I worked at the store in Newgate Mall, which is also no longer in existence. Um, while I was at Weber State University, okay, um, and then um, came back to Fashion Place Mall. When I got married, um, helped that owner, Troy, open the first freestanding Chick-fil-A in Utah, which is the Southtown store in Sandy. It's funny. I didn't even, I kind of forgot, and I think a lot of us have. They are all in food courts. That they were food court yeah. places, and uh -huh. then all of a sudden, they're like like the big kid on the block. But yeah. Yeah, they've been in Utah for a long time, but only yeah. in malls. Yeah, we've been in Utah since 81, but only in malls. Oh. And you know, we actually were the first food concept um, in a shopping mall, actually, ever, um, and in in Atlanta. So um, we were really the the company that pioneered that. Um, originally, food was not welcome in that atmosphere, right. um, and our uh, founder Truett Kathy really pushed that, and and that's why we have food courts now in shopping malls. So really? I had no yeah. idea that yeah. Chick Fil A was the one who. Why led would that. you not have a food court in a mall? Yeah, <laughs> Greenbrier Mall. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know, right. Um, so yeah, so um, and then uh, eventually had the opportunity to uh, become the franchisee for Fashion Place Mall, which was really cool because that's where I grew up. Um, and so, we opened South Jordan in 2008. So like, how does that go from just an employee, a 15 year old? I mean, when you start there, like, is there a clear path that takes you to like ownership? Like, no. Okay. No, I think it depends on the franchisee you work for and mostly you as a person. So we get about 55,000 to 60,000 applications a year to own a Chick-fil-A franchise and we build uh, about 100. 60,000? 
thousand a year. Yeah, Wait, so it's very this, competitive. Like, nationwide or nationwide. Wow. Uh huh. Yeah, and and so Whoa. um that that is it's very competitive and we joke that it's harder to get into Chick-fil-A than the FBI because the stats <laughs> tell you that's accurate. So um, yeah, it's pretty competitive, but I think that um, a lot of grit, a lot of determination um, and really having the right why um, in place is important to Chick-fil-A. Um, they're not looking for investors they're looking for partners to represent them well in the community. And uh, I really appreciate that. And uh enjoy being a part of such a cool brand so isn't there a rule that you have to work in a store like you can't just be an investor money guy own one like don't you have to actually like manage it yourself and work in it is that true so a couple um myths are you have to have worked in a chick-fil-a to become a franchisee that's not accurate okay it's pretty split down the middle actually we have people from all kinds of backgrounds military education um really great people but um you do have to be actively engaged in the business um managing the operation of the business, not necessarily. It depends on your style, depends on um, how long you've been in your restaurant. If you're if you're just opening, you're going to be much more involved. So it does take time to get that leadership team developed. Um, and then some franchisees use it as a vehicle for different reasons. And, and uh, that's another really great thing is that we get to have some autonomy around what we want to do with this, you know? So um, you don't have to be like the one running the shift or running the cash register, but you are definitely engaged in the uh, leadership team and the vision of the future of your business. Wow. So at what stage did you start to either have thoughts or a desire to kind of step into like an ownership role or doing more than just working there? Sure. You know, um, I, you know, I grew up in a home that was not wealthy. We didn't have a lot. We were taken care of, but um, I have five siblings and we just didn't have much. And Chick-fil-A really, um, the owner that I worked for, Troy, really invested in me um, and bought me books and provided opportunities for me um, and ended up sending me to Atlanta um, for a training at our home office. I'd never been on a plane. I'd never stayed in a hotel. Um, and this class was really probably the most exciting thing to date in my life thus far that I had ever experienced. And one of the gentlemen, uh, his name was Cleve Kaiser. He was teaching the course. He pulled me aside afterwards and he said, um, do you recognize that you're like leading this class? And I was kind of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> How old were you this time? I was 18. Okay. And I was like, uh, no. And he's like, Becky, like you are a natural leader. Like your presence is really um, engaging. And I think you really ought to consider doing, um, pursuing Chick-fil-A in your future. And I just really hadn't had anyone say the phrase leadership to me. Um, that as a concept or as something important in life, it just wasn't something I'd ever even pondered. Um, and it really kind of took me back and I had to like really figure out what I felt like he meant and, and the rest of the class was paying a little bit more attention. Um, and I really appreciated that kick in the pants because I don't know without Chick-fil-A if I had ever um, done some course correction in how hard I work or um, 
how hard I pay attention to others or what's important. And just, yeah. So at that point, I was like, wait a minute. I could do this. Wait, I actually want to do this, you know? Um, and so really started pursuing it from that point. Jeez, at 18. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that is not normal. No, no. <laughs> and my first, I, um, my first franchise was Fashion Place Mall and I was 23. So wow. super young, super dumb, made <laughs> lots of painful <laughs> mistakes. So anyone that listens to this that worked for me during that time, I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> very sorry for the trauma that I likely caused you, but um, it was good. So I love that this all started because of a hot guy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and we will never say his name because yeah. <laughs> he will want so much credit if we're not doing it. He will want free Chick-fil-A for life. True. So, I mean, at 23, how do you go? Like, Is there a mechanism inside of Chick-fil-A to help you finance a purchase and get going on one? Or were you kind of, were you having to figure all of that out mm-hmm. on your own? So that is one of the, one of the many reasons that Chick-fil-A is very unique. Um, I only invested $5,000. To start your own franchise. Yeah, and um, they they are not looking for wealthy individuals. They're looking for community leaders. They're looking for people that have influence, create influence, um, that want to invest in future leaders and our communities. And those are the things they really focus on. Now, you can't have had a bankruptcy or, you know, that kind of thing. But I think character... Um, is really important to them. Um, and other, I mean, otherwise, I absolutely would have, ne- I would have never had this opportunity. I had no money. My husband and I were very poor college students with very tiny children. And um, I appreciate that they saw that potential in me. Um, the number has gone up a whopping $5,000. So now it's only $10,000. Um, it's only 10 grand to open a Chick-fil-A franchise right now. Yes. Yeah. Oh so my gosh, no so, wonder there's so many applicants. Yeah. So you can imagine, I, I probably get I two dozen contacts a week. Hey, can I talk to you about this? Help me out. Um, and I don't think most people understand the type of work and the type of responsibility that it is. It's not, here's my check and then go sit on your couch with your bonbons and watch the money roll in, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, so um, which would be super cool, but if that was possible, we'd probably all be doing it. So yeah, but it's a, it's a good gig. Like Chick-fil-A really um, sets their new franchisees up to succeed. Um, it's hard in the first couple years of business, regardless of what type of business it is. And so they're a really great partner. Wow. That's incredible. What's fun is like, as I hear you talk about Chick-fil-A, it's always like we and us, like it's total, like you are, I mean, you obviously own them, but you just the way you speak, it's a family, it's a team, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't speak to it as like this third entity who is just there. Yeah, they are very much my family. They're my people. Um, they're so important to me. And there's so many relationships that I have, both with other franchisees, with staff members, with our executive team that um, that are s- significant in my life story. And um, I hope that I'm significant in theirs, but truly just the best people. Um, when I take some of my employees back to Atlanta, we talk about we're traveling to experience the land of Oz because just the most lovely group of people in the most lovely space. So um, really, they it really is just a very great company. I mean, what, what other company do you know that has a mission statement to be the world's most caring company? I mean, that's not normal. 
So. And on top of it, have excellent food. Fantastic. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Anyway. Yep. So crazy. Why in the world is Chick-fil-A so much better than everybody else and being efficient and nice? I mean, they're always, always talked about when it comes to customer service, the drive, I mean, everything, right? It's always being compared to Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, when did that start? And why is it that no one has successfully copied it? Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think one of our, you know, not so secret secrets is how much we care about human beings and about each other. Um, and that really stems from Truett Cathy, our founder. Um, he is, he, you know, he's, he's been, uh, he passed away several years ago, but he truly um, was one of the kindest, most sincere human beings um, that I've ever known. And, um, you know, raised, um, hundreds of children in foster care supported so many people in need. There's so many stories that just are mind blowing about him taking care of other people that were truly not his responsibility to take care of. He just wanted to help when he saw a need. Um, and I, I think that our service, um, remains and will remain, um, the most important thing to us. Uh, people are going to be able to copy our, fresh squeezed lemonade or a waffle fries or a chicken oh, sandwiches. A lemonade. <laughs> it's so good. Right? Oh my gosh. So good. It is so the good. greatest. But like human beings, like that's really, um, that's really where we focus. And um, it starts with, you know, our recruiting process of franchisees and staff members. I was going to say and, just that process alone. I mean, it starts at the top, right? Absolutely. It, that's a big, cause I know some McDonald's owners and they're, I don't even think they'd know anybody that works in the store. Like that's a big difference. Well, I feel yeah. like that's how most like, you know, restaurant owners that are just running, you know, what you would think of like a, oh, something like right. that. They very rarely are, are, wow, I'm just really doing well with my words right now, <laughs> but they're very rarely in the trenches. You know what I mean? Right. With the they're people. Just diversifying. Sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think, I think connection is just important to us. You know, I mean, and, and like I said, like fast food is not something that everyone's like scrambling to be a part of. So you have to attract them with your why. I mean, there's got to be a, pe- a reason that people want to work for you. And uh, Truett, when he set up the Chick-fil-A franchisee model, he was, he was um, really dialed in because that we are part of our community. Every restaurant that you go to, that owner is local, part of their community. Um, I think that's the biggest difference. Um, we really know our staff, we care about them and their future is why we get out of bed in the morning. So it's awesome. Do they cap it at how many you can own? Kind of. So, um, they traditionally, most Chick-fil-A franchisees only have one. Okay. And, um, that's the norm. There's a very small group, um, that have more than one. Um, that process. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. Hold on. Let me just brush that off. No big deal. Me. Flex, flex. It's me. I'm talking about me. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just not kidding. So, um, <laughs> they, they have to be in the same marketplace. So like if I, um, I'm in, you know, my first restaurant, my first freestanding stores in South Jordan, if I wanted to own one in St. George, for example, that would not be possible. Um, but Riverton, same marketplace. Um, and so that worked out. Um, if it's in the same marketplace, it doesn't mean 
that it's your restaurant. So we have lots of markets like in um, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, um, where they're literally on every corner um, and they're all different owners. Um, But, you know, it's... um, it's a great opportunity either way. And uh, we have a select few, maybe five or six that have three. Um, that's very rare and takes a lot of years of great track record for them to trust that that's something that you can still actively stay engaged in um, and, like they expect. Uh, so yeah, pretty limited, but but I'm good with it. So Well, for sure. Yeah. So... Outside of running your stores, you also kind of play a role in training, right? Other franchise owners and how to either, is it to launch their store or just how to grow it? But you're out traveling quite a bit for Chick-fil-A, aren't you? Yeah. So we have about 40 franchisees nationwide. So we currently have just over 2,500 restaurants. Um, We have 40 uh, Chick-fil-A operators, which is what we call our franchisees, that um, coach our new Um, groups coming in. And um, like currently I'm about to start working with um, Reagan Collier, who is in opening a new store in Redwood, California. Um, And that I stick with that new franchisee for their first year. It's really just to have support. I mean, right. Why reinvent the wheel on a lot of this stuff, you know, and um, we know that the sooner our new franchisees are solid and have a firm foundation, the better it is for our brand. And so really it is just a system of support. I in no way will try to get them to do what I think or convince them. It's really just, I'm a resource and bring information for them so they can make their own decisions. Um, And I really enjoy it. It challenges me to stay relevant. Um, I learn a lot from people that come in from outside industries. Um, it's fascinating and really good for my employees too. So the new franchisees will spend a week in one of my restaurants right when they start. Um, and it's a good opportunity for my leadership team to spend time with them and be part of their training. So it's great. You always learn the most when you're teaching, right? Absolutely. So you put them in your stores and give your people a chance to show them how to do it. Absolutely. So something that stood out to me is you talk a lot about like being part of the community, like uh, the franchise owners, they that's kind of how you get one of those, right? Mm-hmm. So that hits me because my kids come home with these little things and they're Chick-fil-A nights that you go on a certain night and Chick-fil-A gives X amount. I don't know what the percentage is back to the school. Sure. And, I, and I'm just thinking that seems so simple, but I've never... I don't think we've ever had another restaurant that my kids have come home with something like that before. Mm-hmm. So is that an example of one of the types of things you're doing? And I would imagine as an owner, that's kind of an investment into the community, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a huge investment. Um, but being a part of schools is something that is really important to me. I mean, it depends on what you're into, right? Like I have a really good friend who's a franchisee in Utah and he's really passionate about Um, youth sports. So he helps coach um, at a high school football team, volunteers his time, um, and really is mentoring these kids. Um, And I think, um, so you're not going to find the same answer from any other Chick-fil-A franchisee, which is, you know, that autonomy is really important to me. Um, They're not saying you need to provide a spirit night to fund fundraise for schools. So um, that's that's not coming from the top then. That's no. Choice. Wow. No, absolutely Interesting. not. Yeah. So so 
every restaurant's different. We're all independently owned and operated and everyone has different ways of engaging and giving back. And um, for us, we, we are very involved in schools. I have a marketing team of four amazing women that are in a school every day. We have 52 schools that we work with currently. Um, and that might just be bringing our celebrity cow to an assembly. It might wow. be doing a fundraising night, donating food to a teacher event. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different ways that we stay engaged and support our educators, but we know that those kids are our future. So um, that's, that's important to me to show up for that. That's cool. It's funny to watch the progression of my kids with the cow. <laughs> they are terrified of it when they're young oh, yeah. and they hate it and they see it and they're like, they're like, no, I don't want to go there. And now like whenever they see the cow, it's like, oh, that's where we're going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My favorite is the grown men that need the selfie with the cow. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. It's still cool. Yes. <laughs> so we've talked about, I mean, that's really, really awesome the progression of what you've been able to accomplish. But I want to know, like, what have been the hard, like, what has been some of the challenging times? Because the restaurant business isn't easy. Sure. Cam, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it is not like, easy. That is no. not, a lot of people are really scared of it. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be curious, like, was there ever a time where you either were like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. Closing the doors, I'm out. Yeah. Or, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd love to hear maybe some of the struggles that to have led you to where you are. Yeah. So I feel that way like once a month, honestly, <laughs> like it's like, I mean, you just have days, right? And you're like, man, I'm tired. You know, um, I think the, the biggest gift or blessing in our business and also the biggest challenge is always going to be other human beings. Always. Um, I have the best, best teams and also some people that just really, make me crazy, you know? <laughs> and that's the nicest thing I can say. Um, so, you know, you, you, you want to, you want to trust people. Um, but you know, when you get taken advantage of, or, um, people feel like they're entitled to something that you have worked really hard for, um, when you already feel like you're being extremely generous, it's very, it's hard. That That's hard for me. Um, I, I have had to learn over the years not to take that personally. Um, and I still struggle with it. I probably always will, you know? Um, How can you not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, you're a person, right? Yeah. I think the hardest thing for me really is I have a lot of kids that work for me. So they're in high school. Right. Um, they the morons is what they are. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> morons is, yeah, that's a good definition. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not their fault. It's their parents' fault. Uh, oh, right? there's, there's a lot of faults. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think they want to own any of the fault. The, the morons, as you say, oh. um, <laughs> no, the, the ones that, that, um, I get to work with, I adore them, but, but, they really have a hard time with struggle. They kind of have, they're kind of in this um, social environment where something's hard, so you quit it, right? Yep. Someone's rude to me, I never speak to them again. Um, I don't like it, I won't do it again. And I'm like, man, you're missing the glory and like the self confidence and yep. the amazing feeling that when you 
fight for something and you figure it out when you work it out, it feels so good, right. you know? And that that's a bummer for me. That's something that, that I think is a big challenge right now. We try to talk about it a lot. Um, we are working really hard on life skills and all kinds of different skills that help them take some ownership in their behavior. So what does that mean you're helping them? Because I can't, it seems weird. Like I wouldn't think like, do you have daily meetings where you're talking about this stuff? Cause in my mind, it's like you show up, you clock in, you you're at the register, you know, yeah. there's not like this self-improvement time. I don't know. I guess yeah. I, well, I, when I, I they guess come I in get, sad cause their boyfriend was mean to them or their girlfriend was mean to them. Like that's the thing. They show up in a mood from whatever. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. you have to be a counselor that day. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But that's my thing yeah, is like, absolutely. do you have structured time to do that or is it more as it comes? Yeah. Both. Okay. Definitely both. So we do life skills classes. We talk about social media, you know, it's like, listen, like social media is not the place to like, you know, air all your grievances <laughs> or, or say things that you're really going to regret later. Like that's there forever. Yeah. Like think, think twice before you post things. Um, we do classes like how to change a tire on your car, right? Or how well, to- the circuit breaker is. Yes. Circuit how to mop break- and sweep. Oh man, circuit breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it crazy? It's how so- many kids have no idea? I'm like, yeah. oh, just go flip the breaker. Yeah. Flip the what? Thank you. Breaker. Thank you, electrician, yeah. for your $400 service call to flip my breaker. <laughs> yep. It feels good. We love that. Oh, um, yeah. So like, you know, we have intentional stuff, but it also is, you know, Cameron, like you say, like it's, it's like- Hey, like I get you're feeling sad today. Let's talk through some ways to like work out of that. Like what what is your plan? Like let's make a plan. Right. Um don't just sit in that, you know? And um so our leaders, they are trained to um keep their staff as their number one priority and um they have a lot of conversations around how how to be prepared, how to be successful, how to deescalate situations, how to resolve problems. Um, and it's a daily challenge. Um, but you know, when someone gets it, it makes it worth it. Um, I think the hardest thing for me is you get these kids that work for you through high school and you support them and provide the safe environment for them and all this training and college scholarships and all the things. And then they leave because they think there's another better opportunity. They can work like eight to four, right? Or whatever. It's like, that's not the restaurant business. It's not any business no, anymore, really. No, it really isn't. And then like two months later, they're like, can I have my job back? I hate it. I hate it. I want to work at Chick-fil-A. I'm sorry, I was wrong. And that happens probably 50% of the time. Two months, you can ruin 10 years yeah. of work, you know? And it's like, no, but we've kind of gotten to the point where it's like, once you leave, you leave because I can't have this revolving door, you know, like it's expensive to give them this training education and well, it's taxing mentally too. I would oh my imagine. gosh. Just cause yeah. you, you cared about them. You showed everything. Invested. Yep. Yep. And so I think that, I think that the way our society identifies opportunity right now is really distorted and wrong. I mean, opportunity is hard work. You want something, you got to work for it. That's it. You know? And, um, yeah, what's the quote when opportunity knocks, it's hard, it's hard work knocking. Like, don't be surprised to see hard or whatever that quote is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was I don't know what that yeah. quote is. You know, all the qu- <laughs> yeah. he's like a, he's like the Bible of quotes. I love it's it. It's amazing. I love quote Bibles. So what would you say? I mean, what has allowed you to get to 
the point of owning multiple franchises and kind of finding the success that you've had. Can you look back and kind of find either a trait or maybe a mentor who played like a huge role? Hmm. I think, you know, probably a combination of a lot of things, but um, I think that what's important to me has been helpful that I've kept my why like number one. Um, I really am passionate and enjoy developing others. Like it just something that I love. And I believe that leadership is increasing your own capacity by leveraging other people's talents. Like I will never know it all. I actually going to say is that a is that a quote or it's a Becky Pickle quote. I was going to say you can ask now. <laughs> we better, we write that down, yeah. everyone. That ask, was amazing. Ask That's my going. leadership team. They're like they probably mumble it in their head when I say it because they're sick of me hearing saying it. But it truly that's that's how I see it working. You know, um, I can't create more time. I can't create clones of myself. Like the only way for me to expand my business and expand my influence is to train other people up, you know, and leverage what they already bring to the table. And so that's super fun. I, I really enjoy it. Um, and I think that's been helpful for me. Um, I think too, um, providing other people opportunity. Well, it's not necessarily the only way to succeed. I don't think that's the only reason that Chick-fil-A, um, would select someone for multiple opportunities, but I do think that it's allowed me the capacity to be involved in other things in the community and use my business as a vehicle to hopefully make our community better, you know, and um, continue my own education. So I think that's been good. How so. many how many women owners are there? Because I think that's probably another humble flex we could probably talk about. Yeah, several. Well, there's probably so we have about twenty five hundred. Um, ish restaurants, maybe 2,400 franchisees, maybe 23, somewhere around there. I don't know. You really are in the select group. And we have That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And what we have royalty. A couple There's like a hundred people. So basically a hundred franchisees that have multiple. Probably, probably about wow. that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> no big deal. Yeah. It's a small number. <laughs> Jeez. It's a, it's a good, it's a good group of people, but yeah, we, um, we have a great group of female franchisees and, um, uh, our support center has a really amazing women in business um, a group of support center staff that we love to partner with. We do a peer mentorship process with them and learn from each other. Right. Um, and despite what most people think, yes, dudes are included. <laughs> they shouldn't be. <laughs> they, they absolutely. Women can run restaurants way better. <laughs> like meet Annie, my GM. Uh, yeah. If, if Annie wasn't here, this place would burn down in a week yeah well i you know it takes it takes all of us right and so like it's pretty fun to to be intentional around growing other female leaders um but yeah we have opportunity to do that right in our restaurants every day like you said cameron so you're still being humble you haven't answered the question i don't i don't, you what, don't know what did i miss what the number What's the ratio females? like because i would imagine oh, especially in maybe the small group right the the hundred hundred multiple franchi franchisees you know it's, it's a handful I mean, yeah. yeah like it's yeah we've basically become the power women podcast yep. yeah which i think is so cool i do too women yeah. in business are amazing and so yeah i think it's something to be proud of and talk about so yeah yep well i will tell you i was the only female franchisee in utah for a very very long time wow. up until about i think four years ago um kelly opened in centerville 
Um, and that was a glorious day for me. Um, I, I, I'm comfortable hanging out with the guys. I mean, I'm married to a firefighter. It's, you right. know, it's great, but, um, it's nice to have representation sure. that isn't just myself. Well, so, and, and yeah. it just goes to show you how you have kids. I sure do. How many? Three. So this started at 18. So she's had kids through this whole thing. Like I, I can barely come to work without kids right <laughs> and i have one small little whatever restaurant right so that's the thing annie is just about to my gm is just about to have her second kid oh yeah she's yep. two weeks awesome. away and she's in here busting her butt and she will i won't hear for her from her for maybe five days when she has the kid but yep. she'll be back on the computer answering emails and on the phone five days after she has number two and so i mean to be able to run a franchise and do all that yeah. While having kids. Still being a mom. Yeah. Proof that we are not the superior. Yeah. Gender. Yeah. Males. Sorry. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's been proven. It's it, it <laughs> is a fact. We're just we just know enough to be able to admit uh, it, right? Well, I appreciate that. We can lift thing like heavy stuff. Yeah, for sure. And so, I can reach high things. I can change a light bulb really high. Yeah. I and mean, I, I can I see can, on like the top shelf. There's I, I'm better at putting things together than my wife. Yes. But other than that. Yeah. Yep. So I have a very large group of men that I'm going to need you to come talk to. Okay. I can like, do it. I'm well, ready. Put the mic down. Let's go. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Why don't you come up to Capitol Hill with me today? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Politicians. Let's talk. Let's actually kind of pivot a little say, bit. I've been going through her Twitter and I, there's a whole other side of. Yeah. So let's pivot a little uh, bit. Because here. <laughs> owning one franchise would be very hard. Mm-hmm. owning two we just found out put you in the top percent of right. chick-fil-a owners and you have that what type top five five percent whatever yeah you don't stop though no and that's why so betsy once again thank you betsy shout out betsy yes introduced betsy us i'm really glad them. that she liked us so much <laughs> i am too because she's basically like our new showrunner yeah. Right. So I don't want to like make you feel bad, but Betsy loves everyone. Oh, so crap. that's why everyone loves Betsy. See, we are just marginal. <laughs> this is de- that's, just... that's getting cut. <laughs> yeah, we're cutting that out. <laughs> Will you mark that down? <laughs> but the way she introduced me t- about Becky, she said she is the busiest person I know. Oh, that's awful. And <laughs> I don't want to be the busiest person. But she didn't Ugh. say it in that in a negative. It's more of a you can accomplish more than a human should be able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very huge compliment because not only do you have the Chick-fil-A's, let's talk into the thing. You are heavily in all sorts of stuff in the community, in the government. So what other stuff are you doing and why in the world would you put yourself through that? Yeah. Well, I will say the only reason I'm able to do this kind of stuff is because of my leadership team. So I have this phenomenal group of brilliant, incredible, loyal, invested humans around me that are spinning all the plates in the air. Do you have a favorite? Um, uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I knew it. I do. You know, that's the, it is, uh, <laughs> how, so what's your longest, do you have a, an employee that's been with you the longest? Yeah. Cecilia Acha has been with me 16 years. Nice. 16 yep. years. Yep. 16 years. I, I have several over a decade. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they're the best people. And we've grown up together, you know? I mean, 
they have forgiven me for a lot of things. <laughs> I have forgiven them for a lot of things. Um, and uh, uh, we have a lot of painful life moments together and a lot of good stuff, but it's it's fun, you know. But it's like you said, that's where the relationships are built and, yeah. you know, it, it's forged through that hard stuff. And yeah, like you said, it's getting to the point now where if it's hard, you run. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. And you know what? I just have, I find so much value in a person that will challenge me and allows me to challenge them. Right. I mean, we have got to get back to that. Like healthy discussion and debate. Yeah. Well, like, and honesty. Yeah. Like I yeah. it's funny, I had an employee that wrecked my brand new catering van, drove it into a covered parking lot that was mm. too low. Oh. But called me immediately, told me what happened, totally owned it. Awesome. And he stayed it's like all good. Yeah. But then I fired an employee that backed into my trailer back there. And put a teeny little dent in it, but didn't tell me and tried to hide it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I think, like I said, we're forgiving people, like mistakes happen, but honesty, loyalty, all that stuff plays a big role. It really does. So even like Richie Norton's story when he was working at the subway, he burned like all those loaves of bread. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> story. So he's like, like I, yeah. He was working the store by himself. He's like, first of all, that shouldn't have happened. But he's like, I didn't know what I was doing. Like he's like, I burned forty loaves of bread. Mm. He's like, so the manager showed up and he's like, yeah, you're probably gonna fire me now. He's like. I just invested 40 loaves of bread into you. <laughs> like, I'm not going to fire you because you're not going to make that mistake again, now are you? Yeah, like, absolutely. Nope. You know, yeah. it's such a great leadership. It's such right a now. good example because uh, yeah. people do make mistakes. And plus, that's a that's a really good opportunity, you know, as the boss to create, you know, a loyal totally. employee that's and like, friend because yeah. they're like, hey, like, look at the lesson I learned from him. He's forgiving. He cares. Yep. And now that person is on your team. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, imagine if when you went to that meeting when you're 18, if that person wouldn't have come over and told you, like, do you recognize what you're doing? Yep. You know, like how many, how often do we recognize that in people and don't say anything? Oh, yeah. You yep. know what I mean? It's huge. Yep. And you never know what trajectory you might either put them on or take them off of simply by complimenting them or telling them some of the good stuff that they've done. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's crazy. I'll bet. Yeah. I heard this quote that leadership is leveraging other people's talents and skills. <laughs> to increase your own capacity. To increase your own capacity. Uh, it's yeah. a good one. Really brilliant person. And Check that so that that's exactly what that is. <laughs> <laughs> you guys get me. <laughs> this is so good. I'm excited that I finally remembered a quote <laughs> i'm so excited that i'm in a room full of people that are cool with other screw-ups so it's just good it's good it's good company <laughs> well, yeah so what are you doing on capitol hill you know um i'll tell you i um am so currently serving as the president-elect for the road home board of trustees um, the Road Home is the largest provider for emergency homeless services in the state of Utah. Um, in 2019, we served over 8,000 individuals, uh, 3,000 of those being children. Um, and uh, we got into that because my husband and I became foster parents after losing. Um, we had our two girls, Riley and Ashley, and then lost three babies in a row. And I just couldn't like do it again right and so we had a neighbor that had adopted kids through foster care and we thought okay well we're gonna go to the training owning restaurants and going through all of that that's yeah holy cow yeah yeah and um we decided to go to the training and if 
at any point, either of us were like, yeah, nope, not doing it. We were just going to not pursue it. And we stuck with it and uh, uh, ended up fostering just the most amazing children and adopted our son through foster care and learning about the challenges of true poverty, um, intergenerational poverty, and the barriers that are in our society to get out of poverty, um, it's alarming and you can't get it out of your head. Like once it's in there, it's like, it, it's just constantly nagging at me. Like we've got to do something about this. And so um, I started just volunteering at the road home shelter with some friends um, and just got more and more involved and more and more You do what you passionate. do and you become the president. And here we are. Yes. <laughs> I started as a volunteer and I become a president. I started as a 15-year-old worker and I become one of the top percentage in all the Chick-fil-A in the nation. That's what you do. Next stop, White House. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please? Never. Yeah, I'd vote for you this, this next election. We could, uh, we could use some different names in the ring. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, um, I just, the road home is like the most amazing group of human beings. Like, holy cow, the work they do is so important and it's so flipping hard. Like, it's so hard. It's so hard. Homelessness is ugly. It's terrible. Nobody is loving the fact that they're homeless. Um, and it's, there's so many complexities that feed into it. And so I work with, um, our staff, other providers, um, amazing families that are donors for our organization, private organizations that donate. Um, and then we have our city mayors, our county mayors, our lieutenant governor, our governor, Department of Workforce Services, legislators um, that all are a part of solving this complex problem. Um, we have a new model that we started about six months ago as a state. Um, it's a good model. Um, it's going to take a couple years for us to get it 100% going. Um, what What is it in a nutshell, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> really, it's... Um, so we know that um, housing is really important and the wraparound services that either support housing security or without them support housing insecurity. So things like um, mental health and substance abuse disorder um, treatment, uh, affordable childcare, um, transportation, uh, healthcare, uh, ability to afford food. There's all kinds of things that feed into housing insecurity. So the housing piece is really where we're focused. Um, and a lot of times we find success in diverting people from shelters. So when there's a family that, um, for whatever reason, um, let's say they get paid on Mondays and their rent is due on a Sunday and they need one more day to pay and the landlord says, no, we're starting the eviction process unless they can find another $100. Then diversion services might come in and help them with that $100. Um, once people are in in emergency shelter, it's it's not only very traumatic for them and their children and, and everyone involved, but also very, very, very expensive to get out of it. So the goal is to keep them where they are to begin with. So diversion services is also a big part of what all the providers work together to do is just keep them out of the shelter to begin with. Um, but that's what we're working on right now. So we've got this really big bill um, that will help with affordable housing. We have a just a huge crisis in our state right now. We're short 46,000 units. Um, in the state of Utah, we have families doubling and tripling up in spaces. Um, and it's 
it's pretty bad. Um, so in low income out, like what, that's the shortage, like so in affordable housing. All honestly, so middle to low income. So you have you know thirty to eighty percent AMI. That entire range is really. Um, a struggle. The inventory in general is just terrible. And so um, we also have an opportunity for things like they're called SROs, single resident occupancy. So um, we have many facilities that are um, subsidized housing facilities that help people that wouldn't otherwise be able to do it on their own. So for example, um, we have Freedom Landing that we have veterans that live there. You know, um, a lot of them um, were injured in service and it's going to be really challenging for them to be able to afford something more. Um, so just different things like that we're always working on. And and like I said, it's a complex issue. The solution is going to be complex. Um, right. And uh, there's so many things that, that we work on up at the Capitol to get that uh, to work. But uh, uh, housing is a big piece of that. So um, Senator Andrig is currently running a bill um, on affordable housing and we are, are really close um, to it. But with tax reform, a lot of legislators are saying there's no money, there's no money. Um, the problem is if we don't fund this, we might be looking at a need for more shelters in the very near future. We've, we've got to get ahead of this problem. And so we're just really up there asking them to, to support this. So there's six bajillion Condo, condos, townhomes, apartments going up everywhere. Is there just no upside to these developers building apartment buildings for low income? So um, it's it's challenging. There there are a lot of different ways to come at this. There's seeing, there's like workforce housing. So the term affordable housing. It depends on who you talk to, but there's like the HUD definition. There's people like to use it as an overarching definition for everything. Right. But, you know, so you really have to get down to, okay, what exactly are we talking about? Um, but it, it is a challenge for developers without some sort of incentive. Right. Um, and so um, they have to be able to recoup that somewhere and the cost of building is expensive. Um, and also when you're in an economy like ours, where they could build something for full, you know, and exactly why wouldn't they? Right. And so we do have many amazing developers that, that understand this and are, are part of, of, they believe it's their responsibility to, to, to be a part of the solution, which we're so grateful for them. But yeah, that, that's a big piece of it. Um, we also are actually losing, natural affordable housing in the state of Utah faster oh, um, than we can build it. So Senator Kitchen is currently running a bill. Um, it's housing loss mitigation where it would require the state of Utah to replace a housing unit that they removed, for example, to build a roll, road or something, um, which we really, we really need that as well. Yeah. What would you say is like the, the biggest misunderstanding when it comes to this type of thing? You know, like mm -hmm. someone who hasn't experienced it, isn't in it, you know, they just kind of, they hear the talking heads on TV or they listen to them. Sure. Like what would you say is the biggest misunderstanding? Sure. I think the biggest misunderstanding is the reason why people are experiencing homelessness. Um, I hear a lot of just really painful statements like tell them to get a job or tell them not to use drugs. And I just don't think that people understand that they're there are so many incredible people that have been through the most painful circumstances and they're just trying to survive, you know, um, nationwide, um, homelessness is, um, the root cause of homelessness. Sorry, I need to rephrase that. Only 9% of 
the nation's homeless are homeless because of substance abuse disorder. So most people believe nine, nine percent. So most people believe it's because of drugs. Yeah, it's not. Um, people lose their jobs. They, um, have someone pass away, you know, um, domestic violence is a, is a big challenge for us in our state. Um, mental illness is a big challenge. So there are so many different reasons. Um, and, there's not a one size fits all solution. And so it's really hard when we put this label on that. Um, We shouldn't say we should never give to someone asking for money or we should never, you know, I I say, if you see a, a, a youth asking for money, give it to them. Because the reality is that some of our youth that are homeless, the only way they survive is entering the sex trade, which we don't want, you know? Um, And so um, I I think if, if people are just reading the newspaper, they're probably very misinformed. um, And um, there's a lot of ways to engage in a solution, which we always need volunteers. Um, and you definitely can make a difference. So, but, um, most of these people have one, two, three, four jobs. They're working so hard. They're amazing parents, amazing human beings. And, uh, they just had a significant life trauma that put them in this place and they're just trying to get out of it, you know? And I think that's the biggest thing is like understanding that side of it, right? Because mm-hmm. I do think it's, I think it's really easy to lump and you hear homeless kind of lump everyone in the same boat or, yeah. you know, what's going on with it. A question I have also is as you're working on it, I mean, how, how do you stay motivated? Because it's such this massive issue, right? And it's going to take so much money and so many people to do it. Like, how do you push through that when you have your frustrating days, when you go up to the Capitol and mm-hmm. they're not willing to help or when you're just like, gosh, like, am I really making a difference? Honestly, sure. like, 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 how do you kind of battle those days? You know, there are definitely those days. Um, and since we're you, two weeks to the end of the session and things are definitely hot um, at the Capitol, I, I um, definitely have intense moments of frustration and exhaustion. Um, but I just don't feel like it's optional. You know, I, I just feel like I'm in a position where I can be a voice for other people that don't have one right now. And, uh, I just think that's my responsibility as a human being. I just think that we all need to step up in whatever way we can. Um, if that's listening, if that's giving someone a hug, if it's giving someone a ride, you know, it's not, you don't have to be Oprah Winfrey and buy everyone a house. Um, now, if you can, should you? That would be cool, you know, <laughs> but but I think that we all have different talents to bring to the table and different things that we can help others with. It might be job training. It might be mentorship. It might be helping them um, with parenting skills. Um, but I just, I just feel like that's why we're here. Right. And, uh, um, it just helps me to, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's not optional for me. It just is really inside of me. Like it's, I, I have to. And are, are you currently still fostering? Um, today, no. Um, we had the most lovely um, person live with us last year, Nathan, who I adore. Um, Nathan is a gay young man who um, was homeless. Um, and uh, we 
asked him to move in with us last year. And that was just a pleasure to be part of his life. And now he is thriving and um, living at a dorm at University of Utah um, with his scholarship for biology. Um, and we love Nathan. So he's definitely still part of our family. But um, currently today, no. But the reality is I have... 240 employees that I call my chicken babies. <laughs> so someone needs me all day, every day. Holy crap, 240? I, I know, isn't Can you great? imagine Kill me now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's a lot. So someone always needs something, you know. So outside of the road home, you're also involved with, what is it called, In Circle? Yes, In Circle's amazing. And what's In Circle? Yes. Like you have extra time to do more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, like you, you come across, you have these life experiences and you're like, wait, someone's got to do something about this, you know, like, um, so I just find myself in these places, but Encircle is the coolest organization. So Encircle is a youth and family resource center for LGBTQ plus youth. Um, and they, um, were founded by, uh, they were founded by Stephanie Larson. Uh, she's Encircle CEO. Their first Encircle house is in Provo. Um, their second open in Salt Lake City first of last year, and then they're opening in St. George in a couple weeks. And uh, they provide therapy sessions for these kids. Um, they provide education, and their motto is no sides, only love. And so it really is a place where families can come together to understand their child's um, sexual or gender identity and thrive together as a family and and stay together as a family unit and support this important member of their family um, so that they have a thriving future. Um, and I actually came across them because I had had so many employees that were um, struggling with this. Um, so many different employees coming to me saying, I'm gay, I can't tell my family. I had many different employees attempt suicide. Um, many different uh, kids in our um our community that um, were unfortunately um, they did die by suicide. And um, I just kind of got to a point where I'd had enough and, and couldn't possibly bear visiting one more person that I loved that thought it would be better for them to leave this earth than to be here. And I called uh, Senator DeBacchus because he was the only openly gay legislator that I knew of at the time. And I said, I'm mad. Put me to work. Like, this is not acceptable. Um, we can love each other. We need to fix this. And um, he connected me with Encircle. And uh, they're just the best group of human beings and just uh, do a really fantastic job of including all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, all religions, all, all cultures, and making it a safe space for all of them. And uh, that is the challenge. And they do a great job at that. So I'm really honored to be a part of their organization. Jeez. The most amazing, inspiring thing is just like your ability to take action on stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you sit back and it's like, I felt this way. So I called up a senator, you know, or I did this. We I forget that we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. I mean, they're more accessible, especially with Twitter now. You know, like that's one thing I love about Spencer Cox. Like, yep. He's yeah. my dude. But we met. Spencer is great. Like because of Twitter, like mostly, mostly sports. Yeah. Like he, we started commenting back and forth on stuff and, you know, now yeah. we're buddies, but it's, yep. 
it's crazy that we forget that we can, if something is bothering us or if we want to support something, we can actually call their office. Yeah. And we should, yeah. you know, we really should. I think that the the reality is that there are some um, political leaders that are more accessible than others. Uh, Spencer's sure. great. I was with Spencer last night talking about homelessness and um, he and his staff at DWS have been working so hard on this and he is definitely one of the most accessible people. I'm not yep. honestly sure how he does it. Probably because he leverages his staff's talents to increase his capacity. <laughs> you know, a really brilliant person said that. Um, well, and let's not forget his, what, two-hour commute every day from the farm? Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. homeboy lives in Fairview. No, That's it's crazy. like four-hour round trip. Right. It's like 200, 200 miles round trip. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just... I think we got to do something, but you know, if other people are doing things that you can't do, like it's okay. Like, so what? You know, I think you don't that's do so everything. important because I think Lift a lot where of, you stand, right? Yes. Totally. Yeah. You know, like this morning at the kids, we talked about small and simple things, right? You yeah, know, it's right, like, yeah. because I do think people would say, Oh, it'd be so awesome if I had the ability to do what Becky's doing, if I knew a center, you know what I mean? But you don't have to do as much as you do to still make a difference. Yep. Nope. You know what I mean? And I think that is probably our biggest fault to society is like, if I can't go a hundred, I'm not going to go at all. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, like if I can't like 10 is more than nothing. Yeah. 20 is better than nothing, but yeah. we all think, Oh, if I can't get there a hundred, not going to do it or yeah. it's not worth it. It's not going to make a difference. Yeah. You know, my, my, um, one of my favorite just philosophies, both in business and life, there's an equation that I use a lot. And the equation is time plus focus over intensity equals momentum. And I just think that if we keep that in mind, like, you know, you don't like go to learn how to play the piano and or, or a concert pianist like day one. And that's everything. Like you've got to learn, you've got to make mistakes, you've got to fail but if you keep trying, you get better and better and better. And it's the same with with relationships and influence. You know, there I, I don't know of a, a a legislator that was immediately willing to listen to what I had to say, but I kept showing up and I kept asking how I could engage. And then eventually they'll start listening and be like, Oh, okay. Like Then they found out you own two Chick fil A's. They're like, Oh yeah. crap. Yeah. They they just smelled it. They were like, You smell like waffle fries. <laughs> You smell like waffle fries. I actually have a really good friend who every time he hugs me, he goes, mm, French fries. <laughs> and I hate that friend. Anyway. <laughs> His name's Billy. Billy, I hate you. <laughs> we're we're going to name this one. Yeah. That's so yeah. funny. So yeah, I just got to show up, you know? And if you don't know how, still show up. And you learn. Well, like you, you know? said, it's momentum. The goal is momentum, right? Yeah. Like of your equation. Like that's yeah. the end goal is you just need to create that. And the more you have, the more it gets done. Yeah. And like when my babies were little, no way, man. Like I was surviving like barely. Yeah. So I just think everyone has a season of life. And as you learn better, you do better. And, and it depends on the time that you have or what you're passionate about. And just go for it, you know? It's awesome. Well, the last thing I want to talk about is going to kind of funny. We had we had a guest, mm -hmm. and her only goal 
Oh my gosh! Is <laughs> is to be sponsored by Chick Fil A? Oh boy! Oh man! <laughs> Wait, sponsored for what? She doesn't know. Oh, she okay. just wants. She's to- just obsessed, like, and she has become kind of an overnight success as an influencer, right? An influencer in Instagram. Instagram. Just- oh, she's IG. Okay. Yeah, and she's <laughs> hilarious. Amazing! I love funny people. Yeah, so she's. Okay. You would love. So Abby. she became famous because she got a really bad haircut. Oh, shut up. And her laugh <laughs> is like the most contagious oh. laugh. And it literally, because of that, she like blew up. And now she is. She just like, d- gave a very honest. She basically just recorded her reactions to this haircut. <laughs> and it was so real and just so open. And she didn't even realize how funny it was. And she went from like 1,500 followers to over 50,000 like wow. two weeks later just wow. from this one yeah. story. Wow. But like part of her thing is she does tons of videos. We're not going to talk too much about it, but like just always with Chick-fil-A, right? Yeah. And she's always like putting it out there. So I want to put it out there. You yeah. need to connect with Abby yeah. because she's she done wants- done a couple of things with- Yeah. With one- Like she went and like poured like Chick-fil-A sauce all over her. Oh no, Abby, sauce. no. <laughs> no, honey. She no. wanted to fill up a, like a pickup she, truck she bed wanted, or like, something. Like, oh I want to just soak in it. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you a Chick-fil-A insider secret, Abby. Chick-fil-A sauce will very soon be sold in your grocery store. Oh, Get dang. excited. Yeah. Oh, you heard it here first, yeah. people. But but even better, Abby, I love funny people. And uh, I will sponsor you to be funny for me any day oh, of the week. Oh, man. <laughs> nice work. <laughs> yeah. We did it, Abby. You, you, you will love that. She's, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. She's so funny. Yeah. But seriously. Wow. She loves Chick-fil-A. Yeah. We have a lot of Abbies, and it's so amazing. It's so fun. Right. It's really fun. I, my son once said, Mom, you we were at the grocery store, and we were there like way longer than we should have been because... People kept noticing me and saying, oh, I've got to tell you about my Chick-fil-A story. And my son is like so over it. He's like, mom, can you please put a bag on your head? <laughs> I'm can like, you put what? a bag on your head? And I was like, son, like you should be like excited that people want to support what puts a roof over your head. But he is not about it. So that's okay. I get it. But And then we have to put this story on air about Betsy's dad. Oh, Al. I love Al. Grandpa Al. So about how he's got to be, well, just, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so like we're mentioning, Betsy, um, who is the CEO of Betty's, is one of my favorite customers. Um, and she and her family have been our guests for over a decade now, all of them, the brothers and sisters, all the kids and her parents, Alan. So Susie. I have to ask, how many people do you know, like, like as an owner, because you are really in touch with people in the community like mm-hmm. do you recognize most of the people that come into your stores no okay <laughs> i wish i did yeah i it's actually a little bit embarrassing because i have a pretty gregarious personality and i i'm a, an includer and a lover of people but we have like thousands of guests every day at each restaurant and also i'm in the community you know and so it takes me three or four times before i can like lock down your face and your name but people will remember me because when my name is ridiculous and um i mean so they have that going for their memory and um and and you know like they come to chick-fil-a know i'm the owner but you know and so people will be like becky blah 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 and i'm like 
crap. The restaurant is the. It's. I, the, I can't yeah. even imagine what it's like on your scale. Like the restaurants ruined me. I can't remember. It's so hard. Anybody, it's anybody. so hard. Yeah. Ugh, it's so. I. It's hard. So um, I try, but I'm not always successful. So um, and the other thing too is social media. Like I'm a weirdo. I'm not nor I don't usually. I'm very private, and so if I allow people to follow me on social media, I. 99% of the time know them. Um, most of the time, like customers will friend me and I'm like, oh, sorry. Like I've got, I've got to keep some separation. What about staff? Yeah. Um, yeah. Nope. Yep. That's my new rule. Nope. Really? Yep. I don't No. No staff. Nope. Except like Annie or Bryce. You've been here Marcus. forever. Like yeah. If they've yeah, been here so, a long time, of course, but yeah. Otherwise I stop doing all that. Yeah. My executive team for sure. But right. no, I, I just, I can't, it's it's too much for me. Um, but Al and Susie, so Betsy's dad, Al, is, first of all, the greatest human being that has ever walked this planet. He is the kindest man. Um, and he raised Betsy. So there you go. I was going to say, that's you a have lot to be right. right there. Yeah. But he, he is just, he comes in every day to eat. Um, Susie's with him a lot of the time. Or he comes alone and makes new friends. That's just how he is. Um, but one day I was just like, I'll put in an apron. Like you just basically work here. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and so he hopped on our staff and grandpa Al was like the celebrity in the dining room. I mean, people came to see him and, and we're so thankful for how he loved them and cared for them and knew their names. And, and he just is the sweetest, most lovely human being. And Alan, his wife, Susie were called on an LDS mission. Um, and so he ended up not working with us anymore. And on his last day, we had a surprise farewell party. He signed autographs. I mean, I'm not <laughs> kidding. Like people were lined up to say goodbye to him. There were lots of tears. Um, the good news is his mission is local. So he's still in the dining room every day. And he's working for free. So I win. <laughs> because he still is like taking care of people and, and making sure everyone has what he needs. But I love that he has a tradition where he has to be our last customer of the year, brings all of his grandkids, the ones that are in town, and then the first customer of the year. So New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. He's the last one and the first one. Always. Does anyone ever try to beat him? Um, not that I know of, but I don't think that he would, um, I think he would just be like, well, hop on my tab, you know, like he would just, right. great, join the family, you know, right. he just is the most darling person. Um, I was actually sending Betsy a text last night because I hopped on my Facebook and Al had liked like 60 of my pictures. So it said, <laughs> Al likes your photo. Al likes your photo. And I took a screenshot and sent it to her. And I was like, I just love your dad so much. <laughs> like it just made me so happy. That's he's so he's the best, best, best human. So. Well, amazing. Wow. I think we could keep going forever, but this has been incredible. So fun. So love talking good. to you guys. Yeah. I, I like asking this. What would be like your one message would it be your quote, like the one thing that someone listening kind of walks away from? Like if you wanted one thing to stand out, mm. what would you think that is? I would say, I think probably I'm really into lately um, meeting people where they are. And if there's a, a human being that disagrees with you, or has views that different that are different than you. Um, this is something that um, I've really learned a lot within Circle, working with um, the most lovely um, LGBTQ plus youth and families. Is um, 
if there's someone that is different from you, really for any reason, it doesn't have to be sexual or gender identity. It could be race, culture, background, job, whatever. Um, lean into that and and ask that person, how do you like to be cared for? How do you like to be loved? Um, because we're really busy as humans identifying our differences and using them as reasons to push others away. And we know that we need each other. Like our, our bodies need each other. Our mental health needs each other. And we need to start looking on at what we have in common and, and, and hooking into that and then looking at what we have different and celebrating it and honoring each other. Um, it's just so, it's just, it doesn't need to be so complicated and so fueled with anger and um, hatred or judgment. Um, it's just so simple to love another human being. So that's what I would say. If you're struggling with um, someone that's different than you, like put your own agenda or your own personal views aside and maybe just listen for a minute and try and get to know them. Um, and I think that will really help our world and our communities be a better place. And I, I just say that because it's helped me be what I feel to be a better human. I feel like I'm a better parent. I'm a better employer. I'm a better friend. Um, and um, so I, that's what I would say. We could all use a lot of that right now. I mean, you think of just politics alone, just seems like there's a line drawn in the sand. And if you're on the wrong team, we don't even listen. Yeah. Right? Yep. And that's what's going to get us in trouble. So that's very good advice. Well, Becky, thank you so much for coming yeah. in. As busy as you are. We could have kept going easily. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was very cool. Pleasure meeting you. Yeah, you too. Thank the next you. one, we need to bring in the, the firefighters. Oh, that'd that be cool. Be Cam's record. always wanted to do that. Yeah. See, that, I want to, I've always wanted just like a, a cop, a teacher, just they don't have to, nobody needs to know who they are, but just good everyday. Everyday heroes, yeah. right? Everyday heroes. Yep. Well, the best thing about firefighters are they are great cooks. But yep. they're really funny. Right. No, they are. <laughs> Their entertainment value they, they is high. They park the truck out there, put the cones up around it, and <laughs> 12 of them walk in here. And, and when they leave, you have riot. no food left. It's <laughs> yeah. true. They do eat, especially yeah. with their little discount that they get. But oh, awesome. they take advantage. But that's they should. Yeah. We want them to, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Very cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Becky.